What do you do if you are taken by force, dragged through the town, stripped, beaten with rods severely, and thrown into prison? Do you sing? That's what Paul and Silas did. That's exactly what they did. As Acts chapter, seven, uh, Acts chapter 16 tells us, they had been beaten and, and, and taken forcibly, dragged through the city, embarrassed, stripped, beaten severely, repeatedly with rods, and thrown into a prison, put into stocks. That is, uh, their feet were locked into a device which contorted their body, so they would be in constant ache, cramping, and pain. So they were contorted, locked in this position in their prison cell, and they sang. Acts chapter 16.25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. They were singing hymns to God. I invite you to turn your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles 16. Early on in the Old Testament, you have the Kings and the Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 16. Here we'll discover David's song of thanks. This could have been one of the hymns that Paul and Silas were singing. But what's important is the the content of singing as worship. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. It'll be verses 8 through 36. Uh, The the Psalms are the, the New Testament believers' hymn book. They would have just sang the psalms. So this, uh, as we find here in 1 Chronicles 16, this is called David's Song of Thanks. It's made up of three different psalms that he wrote. Um, So you'll find it in different places in the psalms. But here it's all together uh, recorded for us. This would have been one of the songs that people would have sung. And they would have sung because of, not their circumstance, but because of their God. And so we're going to see today that that true worship is, is really... Uh, in singing anyways, is made up of not just your circumstance or, or your sound. It is made up of your understanding of who God is and how He is working. It's a beautiful song here we find in First Chronicles 16. I'm going to read it for you. Verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgment He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, O sons of Jacob, His chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob, as an everlasting covenant to Israel, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you are few in number and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do do my prophets no harm. 
Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nation, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation. And gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks by your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. A beautiful song. Beautiful song. And we see... So many different uh, things that can be taken from this and learned from this song. There's going to be eight things I want us to notice from this song that we can implement in our own singing as worship. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about different ways in which we worship. It's not just in song. It is in prayer, and it's in preaching and listening to the preaching of God's Word. It's in giving, and it is in serving. Those are ways that we can Uh, worship God, that is, ascribe worth to Him, say, you are worth it, and so I pray, I trust you. You are worth it, and so I give you my attention. You are worth it, and so I, I give you the resources you've given me. You are worth it, and so I serve you with all I have. Today, we're going to look at, you are worth it, and so I sing. So I sing. And so this morning, the first thing I want us to see in this song is what David instructs his people in the song, very first verse, verse 8, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. Here's what's amazing. You know, at, at Thanksgiving time, I always wonder why people who, who are atheists celebrate Thanksgiving. Like, to whom are you thankful? Yourself? Your own efforts? Your like, why are you being thankful for what? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But yet, there's oftentimes where we say, you know, we're just, we're thankful, we're grateful to God. And, and we wonder sometimes, is there substance to that? Is there real substance to your thanksgiving? Here, he instructs them even further as to how to do it. Not just in verse 8, that's how he begins. He says, give thanks to God. God deserves your thanks. And then he caps it later on in verse 34, near the end, when he's closing off his song, he says the same thing in verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And then he gives a reason. 
Is it because he gave you something? Give thanks because harvest was good? Or give thanks because you're healthy? Or give thanks because your kids like you? No, no, no. It says, give thanks to the Lord, verse 34, for because he is good. He is good. He is good. That's one reason to give thanks to the Lord. So when you sing to God in in thanksgiving, you're recognizing the goodness of God. Then your situation and your circumstance is not in consideration. The goodness of God is in consideration. And so therefore, no matter what is happening out here, it is not changing the goodness of God. And so you, you sing and you give thanks because He's good. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. The second thing it says in verse 34 is for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks because His love is steadfast. It is an everlasting love. It is a covenantal love, a love that is not leaving you even when you may wander and you may fall in sin and temptation. Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love. It endures forever. Give thanks to Him. Do you know the God that you are giving thanks to or do you only give thanks when you get? Oftentimes I think, I'm guilty of that in my own prayer life and, and sometimes in our singing. We, we might sing about, thank you for, and it's not for your goodness. And it's not for your steadfast love. It's thank you for the blessings or thank you for uh, what I have or thank you for heaven or thank you for salvation. Those are all good things. But at the heart of our, our worship should be thank you for you and your goodness and your steadfast love. That's who you are. Give thanks to the Lord. And so the, that's the first thing you see in his song. Is, is A song of worship is a song of thanks. You're recognizing that what it, it is not you. So when you thank somebody genuinely, it's because um, that's not something that you had done or you had produced, but it is something outside of you. And so give thanks to the Lord, but not for what he has done necessarily here in this example. Give thanks to him for he is good. And so that's the first thing you notice is this giving thanks. The second is he instructs the people to call upon his name. Call upon his name. You and I know if you've listened to the Bible at any length of time, the only way to enter a restored relationship with God is to call upon his name. Right? Last year we memorized uh, Acts 4.12. For there is no other name. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other name. It is through the name of Jesus that we enter into a restored relationship with God. It is through trusting in the name. Not necessarily Jesus. There was lots of people called Jesus. It's not about the name. And you just describe that and get a tattoo that says Jesus. It's not a special name. It's just the, the new term of Joshua. The Lord saves It's who that name represents. Who is that person? So call upon God. Call upon His name. God is a personal God that you can call upon and and come to. And, And what else about this name that you see in this whole song? The name is not just to be called upon, but in verse 10, it says that you're to glory in the name. Glory in His holy name. It is a name 
that is above every other name. It's holy. It's set apart. It is unlike everything else that is distinct. Set apart for uh, glory. So call upon His name. Glory in His name. And then verse 29 tells us that glory is due His name. So therefore, ascribe it. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Like, Give God the glory that's due Him. Sing about it. Tell others about the glory that's due God, Yahweh, personal God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is three in one. Give glory to that name. Lift up, elevate, praise, adorn. Do whatever you can in your song, in your life, to ascribe glory to that name, the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. We should be humbled before Him. So call upon this name, because that is the only way by which to have a restored relationship with God. It is not through um, just giving thanks, but it is through giving thanks for He is good, and in His goodness and in His steadfast love, He has so purchased His beloved people. So you call upon His name. Romans 10, uh, verse 9, If anyone calls upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. Call upon His name. And then glory in His name. And then ascribe glory to His name. Elevate His name. Say that His name is above every name to you. That He is in charge of your life. That it's not you. You are not trying to make yourself famous or yourself well known. You're not trying to do your own agenda in this life. But you're ascribing glory to Him in all of your life. And that can become your life song. Ascribe to Uh, the glory that is due His name. And then verse 35 tells us more. says, um, uh, give thanks to His name. Give thanks to your holy name. The name is important. And David begins his song with telling the people and, and calling us as we sing the song to call upon His name. Implore God. There's so many psalms. I love the psalms. The psalms are so honest. When you read them, they're not just all walk in the park and peachy. There's so many psalms where they're crying out and calling upon the name of the Lord and saying, God, you are mercy. Where are you? Call upon His name. He is mercy. He is love. He is perfection. He is presence. Where are you, God? Call upon His name. And then you glory in it. You bask in it. And then you ascribe the glory to it by being a person of His name, representing His name, elevating His name that is above every other name. You give thanks for His name because through the the name and the person of of God is how you um, are fulfilled and satisfied. So you give thanks for God is good. You call upon His name. The next thing in, the, in this instructive song is um, to sing. To sing. Verse 9. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. There's something about singing. Like, can you be... I'm just trying to think, like, the emotions that you can be while singing. Like, you can cry while you're singing. You can be joyous and happy while you're singing. 
But there's something to singing. And it's not talking. There's something about singing to God. Sometimes in the hardest seasons of your life, you may not be able to pray, but you can certainly sing. And so at times, you may not even find the words to say to God, but you can sing the words to God. And we're thankful for many godly men and women who've gone before us and given us great words to sing of the glories of God. How special is song to you? If song is not special to you, you need to listen to better music. I'm not just talking stylistically, but lyrically. There are so many good songs that can relate to trials, struggles, tribulations. How do I praise God? Even in my own prayer life, I find, and it's, it's sad, and it's sad for us as a whole, is when I go to praise God for who He is, sometimes it's hard to find the words. Just, not just thank you for X, Y, and Z. I can pray those things really well or do this for me. But when it comes to God, you are what? You are amazing. You are steadfast. You are true. You are faithful. You deserve worship. Those sometimes are hard to come up with in praying. But yet, there are so many good songs which can elevate who God is. And that's what we should do is we sing to Him. Sing to Him. Not just sing about Him. It's interesting, if you think about some of the songs that you sing, or some of the hymns that you sing, or like, is it just about Him? Or is it to Him? Oftentimes, churches are full of music, which is just about Him. And they're not singing to Him. David says, sing to Him. He wants to hear you sing. Because you're, you're, you're lifting up His name, you're glorying in His name, you're singing to Him, you're ascribing to Him worth. Sing to Him. And it says, sing praises to Him. God, I praise You. I praise You. Sing to the Lord. says it in verse 9, and then you see it in verse 23. Sing to the Lord. And who is to do it? All the earth. All the earth is invited to sing to the Lord. Sing this song. Lift up God in song. It's so interesting that we often assume... Worship, when we hear the word automatically, was singing. Why is it so? Because most of the worship we are singing is ascribing to the Lord worth and value when a lot of the things we say, talking, are not. Or even our prayers are just about me and what I want and what I need. But song seems to, and it should, center around God and His goodness. So we sing to the Lord, sing praises to the Lord, all the earth. We give thanks. We call upon His name. Third, we sing. Fourth, what do we sing? It tells us in verse 8, 9, 23, and 24. Look at verse 8. It says, Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Sing about what God has done. Not just sing to Him and how great He is, but sing about His goodness. Sing about how He has saved us, how He has made us, how He is ruling and reigning, how He created the stars, how He created the cells. Sing about all of His wondrous works. Because what's amazing is when you you sing of His wondrous works and you say, that's amazing. God, you have done this thing. You have done that thing. Um, Oftentimes people will hear you, they'll They'll hear you out if you're singing or if you give them a song to listen to. They'll hear it out 
versus you just telling them, I'm going to tell you right now, God is the creator of the heavens and earth. They go, yeah, 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 yeah. But if you have a song about the indescribable God who made the heavens and the earth, they'll, they'll likely be willing to listen to the song. So sing good songs about all that he has done. Declare, make known what he has done. These wondrous works, not just in creation, but in recreation. What is he doing in you? Sing about it. Sing about it. God is at work daily. Do we know it? And do we declare it? Do we make it known? Do we tell of his deeds among the peoples? How he takes care of us? How he provides a roof for our head and food for our stomachs? Do you sing about it? And tell of those wondrous works. Verse 23 says, tell of his salvation. So we're to make known, declare, tell of his salvation. How does he save people? Tell of it. That's in Christ alone. And and tell of how he has done that. Sing it. Verse 24 goes further. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. The question is, do you, are you able to categorize that? Do you know his deeds and his wondrous works and his salvation so that you can sing about it? You might not be a songwriter and you don't have to be great at lyrics, but can you sing? Is there a song in your heart about what God has done? Does it stir up what God has done. I love verse 23, 24, and 25. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Reason. Here's the reason. Verse 25. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be held in awe above all gods. That's the reason we sing. Because he's great. He is to be held in awe, in wonder. That's why we sing. That's why we declare. That's why we want to share God, so that he would be held in awe. The more we are in awe and wonder at this God, the more we realize we've sinned against him. The more we realize we need a way to be restored to him. And then we sing of his salvation. He is greatly to be praised. So we declare when we sing. We declare truth about Him. We make known all that He has done. Also, in our singing to Him, we are to, fifthly, seek Him. Verse 11 says, Seek the Lord. Seek Him. What does that even look like? Do you seek the Lord, or do you just sing about Him? Or do you just sing to Him? Or do you implore Him to to come and to show himself to you and to open your eyes that he might behold the wondrous deeds of his law. Do you sing to him? Do you sing in seeking the Lord? It also says, not just seek the Lord, but seek his strength. So ask him for his strength and his wisdom. And it tells you also to seek his presence continually. And we know we're to pray continually, pray without ceasing. We can also sing without ceasing and seek his presence. God, come, be with me. Make yourself known to me. Show me your glory, as Moses prayed. We seek him. Sixth thing this uh, song instructs us to do is to remember. Look at verse 12. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. 
Remember his miracles. Remember the judgments that he has uttered. Remember. Remember. Well, you can't remember if you don't know to begin with. And so if you want to be informed and you're remembering and you're singing to God so that you can say, God, I remember that you are a God who um, provides and is still present even when your people seem to be in need. I remember how you did for the people of Israel. You were with them through the thick and thin. I remember that. So do you remember all that God has done that he's recorded for us in Scripture and in your own life? Do you remember those things? And is that the song of your heart? God, I remember. So, so when you're going through a trial or when you're going through a difficult time, you can remember how, an example of the goodness of God. Remember his wondrous works. Remember his miracles. How did he save you to begin with? How did he forgive your sin to for, begin with? Because tomorrow you're going to need forgiveness. And the, Satan may lie to you and say, God's not going to forgive you today. He will never forgive that sin today. So you got to remember, remember his miracles. The miracle that new birth. God has made you alive together with Jesus. Remember that. Don't forget it. Let that be the song of your heart so you may elevate what God has done and not let any other false gods in. Remember. Remember his judgments. God hates sin. Never forget his judgments on sin. Read the Bible with fear and trembling as God pours out fire and sulfur. Remember his judgments. He hates sin. And so the more we remember and we recognize and and we can see how God has hated sin, then we ought to be transformed by that. And that ought to be the song of our heart. God, I want to hate sin too. Remember these things. And I love uh, the end of verse 15. Or so at the beginning of verse 15. Remember, the next thing is his covenant. Remember his covenant. And Jesus in the Lord's Supper said, this is the new covenant that I've made with you. It's an everlasting covenant. Remember his covenant. A covenant is something that God enters into that is not going to be broken. Remember his, his covenant. That is so important as you sing and ascribe worth to him and as you are, are, are in awe of God. Remember his works, his miracles, his judgment, his covenant. Remember. That's the sixth thing we're to do in our song. The seventh we're to do is to ascribe. That is to uh, say what is already true. Ascribe. Look at verse 28 and 29. Repeated there is ascribe to the Lord. O clans of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, we realize the word ascribe does not mean um, make God be glorified or, or give God strength. That's not what ascribe means. It means like um, tell it is true, show it is true, um, tell him he is glorious and strong. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to him glory to his name. Lift him up so that it is as he deserves. Glorify him. Show his strength. Sing of his strength. Ascribe to him strength and glory. The last thing we learn from this song that is to be in the song of our hearts so that we might be worshiping in spirit and in truth and not just with our lips is that we are to indeed worship. Verse 29. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Worship. Give him the value that he deserves in your life. That's what worship means. 
How do you value him? And how is that reflected in the, and not always, song is not always you singing something. It could be the song of your heart, the tune of your life. Worship. Does your life ring worship? Is that the song that you have? Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. I love, as it carries on, because it says, let the, na- let the heavens be glad, and the earth rejoice, and the sea, and the trees. They're going to rejoice. They're going to worship the Lord. They're going to ascribe to him the glory to his name. They're going to say that God is most valuable above all other things. Do you worship in the splendor of his holiness? Do you lift him up above all other things? Uh, Jesus tells us that there is a right way and a wrong way to worship. That the Pharisees, they worship with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. He was quoting from an Old Testament passage which said they are venomous. Don't just worship with your lips, with your heart far from him. Is your heart tuned to say, I value God, like this song says so? That I surrender all. All to you, I owe. I sur- is that true? Of your heart. So worship with your heart and not just your lips. That's what Jesus tells us. But then he also tells that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. In truth is what we sing is the song of your life informed by truth. It should be. I love this idea of worshiping in spirit and in truth. That is by God's spirit, through his spirit, to the spirit. But also in truth. It's founded. It's, it has a a grounding, it is in Scripture. And so that, that governs the way we pray, the way we preach and listen to preaching, the way we give, the way we serve, and the way we sing. Spirit and in truth. It's interesting to think, you know, sometimes you might wonder, well, what if my heart is not in it? Should I not sing? I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be worshiping with my lips when my heart's far from Him. What, what do I do? That's a good question to ask. And it's a hard question to ask because we're not given that answer. All we're given is instruction to sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. And here's the reality. You cannot change your own heart attitude. You can surrender it and walk in obedience to God. And therefore, your heart will be changed to worship and seek Him and remember Him and ascribe to Him. That's only a work that God can do when you are walking in faith with Him. So, should you sing? Sing to the Lord. And humble yourself before God. If you, and that's the thing. Ask God to help your unbelief or help your, your, your own wickedness of heart or help your, your lack of worship or help your wrong worship to transform it so that He might be ascribed more worth and more value to match what your lips are saying and what you hope to portray to other people in your prayer, in your in your listening to God's word, in your giving, in your serving, and in your singing. Let it be shaped to actually value God above all things. We're to strive for excellence in all those areas. Strive for excellence. That is what makes it actual worship. If it is anything less than striving for excellence, it's not true worship, is it? Because you're saying something else is more important. Strive for excellence. But here's the beautiful thing. It's like a child who may make you a card. 
Sometimes it, they could put all the effort in and you can hardly distinguish what color is supposed to represent what on the page. But as they, as they give it as a gift, a heartfelt gift to you, um, you feel valued and it is a beautiful thing because they have put all they can into it. They have strived for excellence and you accept it gladly and with joy. But if a capable 10-year-old, a gifted artist, which says, well, I, I have to draw you this picture, so then they take some crayons, rub it on the page, and try to smear it, and say, here's a portrait of you. I had to do it. Please accept it. Um, it's going to be a totally different thing. It is not consistent with who you are, and, and, and it doesn't consider their own skill. They have no attempt uh, to uh, do any sort of excellence. There's no real engagement. That's not a valuable gift. But the beautiful thing is, they may be a gifted artist. And the kid who can only draw circles, who wholeheartedly loves you and is genuinely giving you this gift is a totally different thing. But here's the thing. That kid who just does swirls and you have no clue what it is, you don't have them leading an art class or a card-making class. They may give you a beautiful gift and it may be gladly received, but you do not have them lead the card-making class. The same thing applies with the people of God. You don't have someone who does not strive for excellence and do well skillfully lead the card-making class or lead, you know. And so that's the same thing that applies because you have to strive for excellence. It's not just in the people who say, but, you know, the people who say, well, just, just make a joyful noise unto the Lord and that's good enough. Without real consideration, of giftedness or skill or excellence to God and think it's, oh, it's just sufficient to lead singing as worship. It's not. Strive for excellence. Because if you do not strive for excellence, then it undervalues God. It says, well, I didn't need to give my best and we didn't need to give our best. It just give them our seconds or whoever. No. Strive for excellence. To value God higher. It's not just about the one who sings or even how they sing. But here's what's important. is It's about what they sing. What they sing. Uh, number four that I mentioned was make known, declare. What are they to make known and to declare? Well, the things, the wondrous works of God, His deeds, His salvation, His glory, His marvelous works, make known these things. What you sing is important. Number six that I mentioned was about remembering His wondrous works, His miracles, His judgments, His covenant. That is supposed to be the content of what we sing. What we sing matters. Words matter. Content and theology matters. I have a real problem with some songs. One song we sing here, Mansion Over the Hilltop, or whatever it's called. Hate that song. Hate it. You know why? It undervalues God in every single line. The greatest thing in that song is gold and lack of pain and lack of suffering. I want a mansion and a harp and a crown not Jesus. Hate it. It should not be sung in a Christian church. It does not elevate God. It elevates uh, gold and it elevates uh, whatever other joy there is that is not satisfactory. Our worship, our singing ought to elevate God. I want Jesus and if nothing else is there, it's enough. That ought to be the content of our song, of our worship, is Jesus where is Jesus? That's what we ought to sing. 
How does what we sing value God? Does it put him as the highest? Or does it put me and my feelings and my emotions way up there too? What you sing matters, whether it's actual worship or not. True worship or false worship. Does it value God or does it disgracefully devalue God and all of eternity? If it does, then it's not worship. Warnings against singing in false worship is harsh in the Bible. Jesus classifies those people as the same as he did the Pharisees. They uh, were praying to be uh, heard and to be seen. And often people will sing to be heard and to be seen. There's nothing wrong with being heard. But why are we wanting to be heard? What is the desire behind the singing? Is it a desire to give thanks to God? To call upon His name? To sing to Him? To make known all of His deeds and His salvation? Is it about seeking the Lord? Remembering the Lord? Ascribing to the Lord? And worshiping the Lord? If you're heard doing those things, that's okay. But if you're heard to be heard, it's not. Worship in song is so valuable to us as people because it puts to words and it puts to our heart sometimes what we're, we're feeling. We don't sing enough songs of lament. The Bible's full of songs of lament. And yet, we just want happy, clappy, let's just sing about things that make us feel good. Or like, you know what I mean? There's so much songs of lament in this book. Uh, and it's... If we do not sing songs of lament, we're not being honest with our own hearts. Lament is not wrong. Lament is not, it's just coming to God and saying, I don't understand my circumstance or my situation, and I'm in turmoil here. But you're still on your throne. That's it. That's lament. It's lamenting the fact that God is still on his throne, and I don't seem to understand that right now. I'm lamenting that fact. We don't sing about that enough. We ought to sing honestly. We ought to sing uh, because it, it lifts up God in all of that he is and all that he does. Think back to Paul and Silas. About midnight, had been beaten, dragged through the city, stripped naked. Now they are contorted in a jail cell and they're singing hymns to God. Their situation and their circumstance did not determine their singing to God. They ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. And if you read Acts chapter 16, it's beautiful. It's beautiful what comes out of that. The jailer who is there, who is a harsh man. So here's the reality. If you read Acts 16, you realize that they were not supposed to be put in stocks. That they were supposed to be treated really well. And the jailer was cruel. And he went above and beyond. And he was harsh to them. And so... They were singing songs of praise and then God performed a miracle and they were able to escape if they wanted to and the jailer went to kill himself. But they said, don't do it. And he went and he fell down on his knees at their face and he said, I've heard of what you've sung. I heard of how great your God is and that your God saves. How will I be saved? Me, a wretched man. So they they told him, call upon the name. Ascribe to him the glory that he, you are not in charge anymore. And he says, I confess, I believe, I repent of my life. That jailer came to faith. And he was a great part of the church at Philippi. These men sang, not regarding their circumstance, but regarding the God who had saved them. Are you a person who sings of God no matter what is going on? 
that it might encourage your soul and those around you. Sing and ascribe to God the glory to his name. Lift him up and value him above all things. In Colossians chapter 3, we have instruction for the church. In verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the foundation. And admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Or to do that for one another. Having Christ's word dwell in our heart richly so that we can remember and we can ascribe and we can tell of his wondrous deeds. His, his word is dwelling in us richly so that when we can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving to God, we are actually worshiping together. What a joy and a privilege it is to say, God, you are worth it. Let's turn to him in prayer. God, you are indescribable. You are incomprehensible, but yet you have made yourself known to us in so many ways. We know that you are good, that you are true, that you are everlasting, that you are holy, you are just, you are love. God, these things that who you are are unchanging. So God, we want to worship you who you are. We want to be people who sing of your goodness and of your steadfast love forever. God, help us, transform us, help us to remember, help us to declare your wondrous works, help us that no matter our situation, we may be able to see and know and behold the truth of you so that we may ascribe to you worth in that time, even when, God, we feel so worthless. Help us. Oh God, to to ascend that hill, to come and to sing to you and say, God, you are our highest treasure. You are our highest praise. God, we need your help in that. We need your help to filter content. We need your help to filter our own lips when our hearts are, are wicked. But God, we want to sing to you the glory do your name. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.